Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. Every single goddamn time. Welcome in to Libservative. He's Corey Walsh. And he's Dan Griffin. And you are listening to the show that uh, tries to make sure that you think and we think, but not tell you how to think. That's a good We're, way to put it. I'm still working on the slogan, Corey. We'll get there I eventually. Know. It's we only... We don't have a marketing team. Still working on my <laughs> my degree. I'm sorry, guys. It's only bourbon banter number eight. And thank you for joining us again on Facebook Live. If you would like to check out our monologues, you will have to download the podcast. It'll be plopped in there. Uh, you can find us Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Spreaker. Does Stitcher still exist anymore? Spreaker. So. <laughs> Whatever it is, we're on it. <laughs> Google Play. Uh, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, uh, you can listen to Corey uh, bitch about the border uh, in his monologue, and you'll be able to listen to me bitch about Gavin Newsom and hypocrisy. It's really more about hypocrisy than it is about Gavin Newsom. So everybody calm down. Uh, you, don't have to get upset. you don't have to get upset already. Uh, I'm already for, upset, Dan. Yeah, I know. Just Gavin, just the word Gavin Newsom makes you so upset. Uh, <laughs> No, you know what pisses me off, Corey? What we're going to start with today is how the uh, the media once again showing its hand and that it really loves when pretty white girls turn up missing. A missing white woman syndrome has taken the nation by storm uh, once again with the Gabby Petito story. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's a little bit of a narrative. I wonder what they're uh, trying to cover up. I don't know. That sounded very conspiratorial, <laughs> but... <laughs> But it's just, yeah, it's like, it's... Uh, this is an InfoWars, Corey. We're not... I know. It's, it's gonna <laughs> put in goddamn chemicals in the water and turn the frogs gay! <laughs> but, you I, know, it's, uh, it's interesting how, like, I literally, only because I literally looked this up right before we started, you know, 209,000 women under 21 go missing every, like, in the year 2020. That's like, what, the size of Warren? Like, you know, that's, which is a suburb city in our local Metro Detroit area. Like, it's, imagine the whole city just disappearing. Like, 209,000 women, Dan. But this one, this pretty little blue-eyed, blonde-haired girl, just fits all the little check marks of just just a sweet story. She was just on a road trip with her, uh, her boyfriend or her fiance. Super fucking creepy, toxic-ass piece of shit boyfriend, apparently, from what I've seen. (laughs) Like, like there we go. Now all these stories are coming out where like this park ranger like lectured her or told her about toxic relationships and all of this different stuff is coming out. I'm surprised actually of how much more I know about this story than I thought I did. Yeah, it's <laughs> we literally it's like, just talked about this ten minutes ago. I was like, God, oh, I'm following that at all. This is how much this is how much uh, missing white woman syndrome seeps into you through osmosis because it's you 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 gathered more of it than you really thought. Uh, yeah. But it, it's it's so real. I mean, it's something that like okay. So Nancy Grace has been talking about this for eighty five straight days or whatever the hell it's been. She is so wet over this story, dude. She's probably had to flip that seat cushion sixteen times. Well, it's a real about life this. murder mystery. What's the uh, true crimes podcast in the making? This is another. oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you ever yeah. watch? Uh, so Lazy Peterson two point oh murder in the building with uh, no. Mart- uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena no. Gomez. It's a show out right now. It's actually the same. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. It's actually pretty good. There's a murder in their apartment complex, and uh, 
the three of them follow true crime podcasts like constantly and they end up sitting together and figuring it all out so now they're like trying to figure out the murder in their complex and it's it's kind of cool it's funny but yeah, yeah. They, the mainstream media eats up eats up the missing white girl i mean they, they absolutely oh, yeah. love it and it's, uh it it, it 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 does beg the question and you know you'll get in trouble with certain people why can't we just hope that she was okay as if that's not what i'm saying i mean we all know now we that all she's were. not like goddamn like a, a missing person it's like fuck i hope she just got turned around like like we really hope they just ate a bunch of shrooms and she got lost for two days. You know right, I mean? right, right, like right. You're right. hoping for that. You hope the girl's not dead, but but the question is, what if Gabby Petito were black? What if she were black or from a poor neighborhood or a, a, a woman of color? This would not be a story. Don't sit yeah, there and right. act like it would. And right. it wouldn't be. And, and it's and not it, that the people don't care. You right. Know? I'm not. I'm not disregarding like our listeners or people who listen. People care, but it's. They just don't know those stories because they're not plastered on all the news and all these different things, but constantly put into your news feed to where it's like me and you personally, I don't know about you, but me, I haven't really been following this story. But as I can tell you, like these two were going, you know, they were going on a road trip in a sprinter van. They got pulled over. The boyfriend said that, oh, don't worry, officer. She's crazy, (laughs) which is something that the toxic ass, like, guys who beat their siblings say and their siblings she went or not siblings you know what i mean significant, <laughs> significant others others. Is the word I was that would catch. make the story much more crazy good catch on that because yeah that would have made this story <laughs> i heard Corey say that that were related but yeah and then now so i'm he all leaves, interested in it he leaves and now the parents aren't cooperating or talking to the police they hired a lawyer and now the guy's missing they found her body. Like, it's, it is, it's a fucking crazy ass story. But it's like, this shit happens on an exponential fucking scale where it's happening roughly 200,000 times based on the 2020 statistics every single year. It's close to half a million people in 2020 went missing quarter altogether. Million. I'm sorry, quarter million people went missing altogether. Now you think about, you know, it's you know, it's it's always really funny. Like when you when you try to bring up something that like might get you accused of race baiting. Like that's probably something that's this could probably go into that category. The, people always like to bring up statistics. Like, well, you know, black people are only thirteen percent of the population, and so they should only get thirteen percent of the jobs, as if like those correlate <laughs> together somehow. Percent of the attention <laughs> that our country gives to people. Yeah, apparently. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll give you this. So. uh of the of the people that went missing in 2020, uh, about 10 percent of those were black women. Now, black women only make up around seven percent of the population, so they're already ahead of the curve. Corey Walsh, yeah, some we better pay attention 000. to. And 60 percent of pe- of the of people that went missing just in 2020 were people of color. 60 percent, over half. Jeez. And so, thirteen percent of the population makes up half of the missing people. Well, no, no, no. That's this is all people of color. This isn't just black people. This oh, this is okay, all people okay. of color. Yeah, yeah. But, but even so, one white girl goes missing. The whole nation flips their shit. And when I say that, it means uh, I'm trivializing the fact that she, you know, died. No, that sucks. It's a tragedy. But if you gave even a quarter of the attention to some of the 
missing people outside of just a pretty white girl from New York from a well-to-do family, we might be able to find more of these bodies. We maybe might be able to save more of these lives instead of just focusing. Because, I mean, how many people do you think went missing since this story started getting covered 24-7 by HLN? Jesus. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if you want to just do a blanket thing, just divide real quick uh, 209,000 by just Just do some rough math. Just do some rough yeah. math. And, you know, if 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 the media hadn't been paying such close attention to the, to Gabby Petito's story, she probably, there's a good chance she wouldn't have been found, right? Because that's yeah, just right. how it works. So it's good that that happened, but it doesn't excuse the multitudes of other people, particularly people of color, that go missing seemingly every day. And nobody yeah, cares it just, it outside goes. of maybe regional or local coverage. It goes to Noam Chomsky's book that I'm reading right now with uh, manufacturing consent, and it's uh, worthy and unworthy victims. And it's about what catches the attention, and it talks about, like, you disregard certain people because it doesn't fit a narrative, and you, like, uh, put certain people in the limelight because it really fits a narrative. And he goes on to talk about how there was, like, a one Polish uh, archbishop that was murdered in Poland, Versus 72 archbishops murdered in Latin America around the same time. And because of American uh, interventionalism and influence in the Latin American countries, it wasn't talked about. But this one archbishop in Poland, there was like dozens and dozens of articles about it. And it's just, yeah, it's... Why? Because the, like, guy, the guy from Poland looks like us. Yeah, even though regionally the Latin American countries are a lot closer. But they don't look like us. Right. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just this, uh, you know, like you go, you look at the different media, if it bleeds, it leads and this and that. And it just, it falls right into this fold where this one just clicked all the check marks of, oh, this is going to be a story that everyone's going to pay attention to. Yeah. We can track her. She's a pretty white girl. She's from a well-to-do family in New York. And which is She went on a vacation with her boyfriend. Like, the American dream is just following your own dreams, you know? And, like, she just was going out and just hitting the national parks and seeing America. And it's a tragic story of what happened. But it's like, and I don't want to take away from that, but it's just, the not the, not even the priorities, but, like, the focus and, like, how certain things just completely get ignored because it doesn't fit a narrative. Yeah, well, and then follow the money too, right? I mean, what you can you can obviously see everybody's talking about this, so it's obviously getting ratings on HLN. Like I said, Nancy Grace has flipped her cushion probably seventeen times since this whole thing went on. She's soaking wet over this whole story. Oh yeah, and it's not. Don't and 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 none of these media people can sit here and pretend like they actually give a shit about Gabby Petito. Like they might feign like they care, but really, what they care about is the what ratings. those ratings look like yeah. at the end of the at the end that of that day. Bait. Pretty little, pretty little girl missing. Oh, what? Whoa. Click, 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 click. Yeah. Whoa. Share. Oh, and she's blonde. Share. Crazy <laughs> boyfriend. Hashtag me too. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's, it, uh, it, it, it pegs a lot of crazy stuff about it, but you know, one of the most popular at the same time, we might be almost trying to look into it too much. You know, true crime is one of the most popular podcasts right now. This is like a, a real life true crime happening. It's fair. It's fair. I get it. Like it's but it yeah, sucks. but it's like 
it's a tragedy, but let's not pretend like this isn't something that it. Let's not pretend like this is something else. It's a money grab for the media. They love it, and yeah. it's because she's white, and it's because it goes she's young. To, it goes to the uh, the thirteen soldiers that died versus the two thousand that aren't mentioned. You know, it's yeah, it's it's a headline. It grabs attention. It's a money making scheme, and they love it. Corey, let's drink to get over this uh, missing white woman syndrome that we're that we're inundated with here. What are you drinking this evening, Corey Walsh? You know what? I'm going to double down and say, Dan, what are you drinking? He doesn't have anything. Dan doesn't have anything? <laughs> no, I, no, I have I something. Absolutely- I- <laughs> but it was a gift. It was a gift, and I forgot that. Like, I have it now, but I forgot the name of the bourbon for one second when I was put on the spot. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I didn't know it's, what to say. That's why you got to bring the bottle to show the people. I got, right. a, I got a boutique. Picture. I have a boutique uh, bourbon from, uh, where is this place? Moortown, Virginia. And it's perfect for this show because the name of the bourbon, if you can see it in the screen, is Filibuster. Filibuster Filibuster Distillery uh, in Virginia. And this, the guy I bought it from actually told me the story uh, of this particular distillery. Apparently it is in, uh, and it's actually an Indian family in... uh, Virginia that distills this stuff and it is um double casked in port barrels I believe okay and it's supposed to give off this uh this flavor of of like nutmeg and vanilla you know it's funny I was actually gonna say nutty if you're talking about like a port yeah it's gonna be like a like a buttery nutty type taste it's um the, the, I'm getting the nutmeg. I'm not getting a whole lot of the vanilla, but I can tell you that it is remarkably, its drinkability is, is remarkably smooth. I'm actually going to, I'm trying to find more of these smaller boutique bottles around that you can't necessarily get everywhere. Yeah. To bring on to the show. I would, if we weren't live, I would run and grab my bottle real quick to show it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm next time, a, Corey, next a, time. A third win, straight bourbon. And it's from Bay City, Michigan, actually. Mm. Yeah, and local it, it, boys. Yeah, it's actually super local. A uh, a good coworker who's become a good friend of mine recently. Actually, I don't know where bought me the bourbon because he knows I'm a bourbon boy. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's on ice, of course. Well, the ice is melted. <laughs> but yeah, it's on water, like a, of course. Like a little bit of like a like a vanilla caramel. I can almost have like a honey, like it's super smooth. It's like this super, super smooth bourbon. And it's actually like really, really, really good to where uh, hopefully I'll save enough. So when next time you, if you come over, I can give you some, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'll try it. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty good bourbon. I uh, recommend it. It's filibuster. I'll get me in in big trouble. (laughs) Just it's that's the filibuster juice. That's what you got to drink if you're going to actually do a filibuster. So you could sit up we, there and just rant like, "I may tell you." So, when filibusters are taking place, cuz I've never really fucking paid attention, right? They're always on C-SPAN or whatever when they're actually happening. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather like stick bamboo shoots up my dickhole than watch that shit. I wonder what happens like What happens when they have to take <coughs> a shit? They don't. You're not allowed to leave the floor. So they just have to shit their pants. 
You you come showing up and like the girl that killed the ast- the astronaut girl, you wear a diaper, man. So so here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I would do. If I didn't want a filibuster to take place, I would like I would slip some laxatives in in the in the other party's drinks. It's just to make sure. Like, I wonder how you'd be able to. Pull you want to talk about dirty politics? Yeah, that is no pun intended. I knew you couldn't leave. Like I knew, like fundamentally, that was part of what the filibuster is. But I've I've always wondered, like, are these people just standing up there, just like crossing their legs, just because they as have long to as piss you keep talking. so bad? Like, didn't Ted Cruz read uh, Green Eggs and Ham or something? <laughs> yeah, fucking moron. Speaking of uh, having to take a shit, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, and it's funny because like the filibuster, I'm almost a hundred percent positive that the Democrats are actually the one that created it. When during the uh, when slavery was being talked about, and they would just do a filibuster whenever the Republicans would try to bring up slavery. Yeah, because the Democrats were the racists back then. Everybody forgets well, yeah. that. Yeah. Just whistle, <laughs> <laughs> just whistle that one away. But now they're the ones trying to get rid of it. It's just so funny. Like the same with the gag rule. They're the ones that created the gag rule, also to fight anyone talking about slavery. Yeah. Well. What about the border crisis, Corey? We have a brand new border crisis. The old border oh, crisis never went man. away, of course. But well, we have actually, a brand. <laughs> okay, I'm just looking at my list. But yeah, the border crisis. How about that? What is that? The uh, and so we uh, are currently sending what a hundred, like eight planes a day with 135 Haitians back home to a devastated country. And we're getting them out of here quickly, isn't it? It's really interesting that, like, the darker the people's skin, the quicker we force them to get the fuck back to their own country. I haven't even <laughs> thought about that. It's like they, like, they, like, they pull them up and, like, basically. I mean, the maybe it's skin. a coincidence, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even thought about that. Yeah. How fast we're getting them out of here. When, like, we've had, like, before the Haitian crisis, there was, like, literally thousands and thousands and we were like, oh, I don't know what to do. But now the Asians show up. and like, we're just going to ship them on back in a plane. You know who would be proud of that? Fucking Jefferson. President Jefferson. Yeah. Remember, he was the one that said he wanted to end slavery, but he also wanted to send all the black people back on boats. Yeah. <laughs> Get them back. Well, we can't let them live here. <laughs> <laughs> Biden's literally doing a fucking Jefferson and just sending them home. God damn, that fucking sucks. I don't mean to laugh because it is like literal lives like... Well, the irony is palpable. So, I have a little bit of history here on Haiti. Good, I'd like to hear it, because I know uh, a little, but not enough. It goes all the way back to President Andrew Johnson in the 1800s. And he wanted to originally annex the island to secure influence over Europe and the Caribbean. (laughs) So, we've been meddling over there. And we've had uh, Marines, like, on the uh, island since, like, the 1800s. And... And then here's where it gets interesting. So from 1915 to 1934, the U.S. Marines occupied Haiti. Prior to the occupation, the U.S. military had taken control of the banks and collected $500,000 to hold in New York. The Haitian Constitution was written in a manner that prevented foreign entities from owning land or operating in Haiti. And however, as a result, the occupation, the U.S. had influenced the the U.S. had influenced the Haitian government to rewrite the Constitution to repeal an 1804 provision that forbade foreigners from owning land in Haiti. 
The occupation impacted the nation's economy as well as the nation's self-image and independence, and ultimately Haitians, Haitians united in resistance of the U.S. occupation and the U.S. forces left in 1934. Left behind was a newly trained Haitian army, the Gord, and mostly black soldiers and mulatto officers who dominated the political office in 1947. Mulatto? Is that, still, is that still a socially acceptable term? I, I don't know. Ask Wiki. That's where I got it from. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then it so it went on from there to us literally just meddling in their government and constantly making them as basically a safe haven for cheap labor. To the point that even in the fucking 90s, dude, the fucking Clintons, Hillary Clinton, Secretary of State, in 2011, under Obama, they went there and basically demanded that the Haitians not raise their minimum wage from 31 cents to 61 cents, dude. Yeah, we need cheap baseballs. That Isn't was that in where 2011. They, Isn't that where they lace up the and baseballs? And then in 2010, maybe. In 2010, <laughs> they, they had that huge uh, 7.0 magnitude earthquake so you take the u.s government once again influencing a either caribbean or latin american or south american country to continually destabilize their governments to avoid any sort of worker organization or anything that helps the people so we can exploit cheap labor time and time again and then on top of that you assassinate the fucking well we didn't do it i'm not going to say that but like the the Fucking president of Haiti was assassinated recently. That wasn't really in the mainstream news. They had a 7.2 earthquake, which didn't hit the news nearly as much as the one in 2010 because Bieber isn't, or Bieber isn't singing We Are the World. Mm-hmm. And you remember that? Mm-hmm. 2010, yeah. And then, uh, so you couple all that together. Fuck yeah, people are going to leave a small ass island with no resources. Four-fifths yeah. of their country, like any college-educated people, leave. Well, think about this angle of it, too, man. Like, you have bad information being passed to people that left Haiti in 2010 after the first earthquake and, and went to- You know to, where they all went? Brazil and stuff. Because Brazil right, was actually- South America. They were, well, Brazil was one of the biggest ones because they in 2016, they had the Olympics happening. So, yeah. in 2014 was the winter, 2016. So, they hired, they brought in a shit ton of Haitians with worker visas to help them do construction. But and then, they stayed. But then we talk about the Olympics, and every time they're over, the con- the cities that always get fucked, like, get fucked, they had all these Haitians just walking around with nothing to with do. With nothing to do. And so, then you have bad information being passed to them about uh, the temporary protection status, mm-hmm. which I believe was only good up in, if you were in the country before, I want to say July 29th was the date. So, they got bad information. And then they're also hearing that, hey, guess what we have here in the United States? You know what we have here, Corey? Something everybody's really excited about, a fucking labor shortage. Now, we can talk about yeah. why that is and and why that's in some ways actually a good thing because it means, you know, uh, workers' rights have to be taken seriously. Yeah, workers' so now you the have this bargaining weird- chip they've had in like 50 years here right now. But now you have this weird dichotomy, right, where you have this influx of- and not that there hasn't been, you know, uh, people trying to cross the border this whole time, but like now you have this this strange influx of of extra people trying to cross the border. Now you have a, this really weird uh, uh, paradox where it's like, okay, you want to be the humanitarian and bring these people in and and give them, you know, safe haven or asylum or whatever the hell it is that they need, 
and give them jobs and give them work. But meanwhile, you also want American workers to not be downgraded and not have their power taken away. The indigenous workers. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I look at both of those and I go, yeah, there are actually really good points to be made there. Now, mostly I'm going to go with the, you know, wanting to do at least what we can for anybody crossing the border. That doesn't even necessarily mean we have to let them in. But figuring out this process so that they're not sitting in a fucking cage for two fucking years before or, we get them at least get them processed. Well, we got, got 12,000 in, uh, in Del Rio right now just sitting under a bridge. Yeah. Like <clears throat> and what they're doing is so like they got here, their whole family's under the bridge, and the border is so fucked up right now, dude, that there is literally no security. That these guys get their family over, they set up camp under the bridge, and then we have no support for them whatsoever. We're like, yeah, we're not helping you. So, like, the dad is just walking back across the Mexican border, getting food and supplies, and then fucking coming back to America. Mm-hmm. And it's just absolutely insane to me that this is what is going on, and it's literally... And like this is where like this so this is what I see right now what's going on. Like Biden is literally falling in the footsteps of every policy for the border that Trump was doing. Because when Trump inherited Obama's mess, it was a fucking mess. Just like when Obama inherited it from Trump, I mean oh Bush, it was a fucking mess. And it's been a mess. And so now to save face, Biden is trying to seem like the nicer guy than mm-hmm. Trump. But he's literally doing the same policies of detaining people, catch and release, sending them back to Mexico, doing the same shit that Trump did. But on TV that all of these people are seeing, he's being Mr. Nice Guy. So he's sending mixed messages. He's he's yeah. basically telling these people that, yeah, you can come here. I'm not Trump anymore. But then and they don't... get here and then we detain them, separate families, kick them out, send them back on planes. It's... It's just but I, I don't want people to. I don't want people to pretend like Trump's policy was somehow good. Like he he basically Trump basically just kicked the can down the road with his remain in Mexico policy. Like yeah. that's just you're just kicking the can down the road out of sight, out of mind. Like that wasn't good either. Like this is this is an like absolute filling a mess. water balloon up with too much water. Like eventually it's gonna pop. Like that's all they were doing is like they were coming here crossing the border. We'd push them back. The new ones would come with the old ones, and then we'd push them back. So that number just kept getting bigger. And bigger. It's like a bigger, bigger and bigger wave hitting that levee, and man. Eventually that levee's gonna break. The yeah. floodgate finally broke. And Biden is so, dealing with it, but he's not doing <laughs> a fucking good job. Mm-mm. But it's easy. I don't to- have Yeah, and I don't have solutions. I'll tell you what we do. You end the fucking war on drugs, stop meddling in the in Latin American countries and the uh South American countries and the Caribbeans. And you hire more immigration lawyers and judges because what's going on right now is shit that's just a culmination of 50 years of bullshit that we're actually seeing the fruition of. And so what we're dealing with now is like we're not going to be able to solve this in the short term. This is a long-term problem that isn't going to take a short-term solution. It's going to take a long-term solution. And unfortunately, we're going to kind of have to deal with it until we get these people processed and into the fucking country. And that's taxes. and that's the biggest issue. Like that's that is like the amount of I think of what I see the other day. Four billion dollars has been thrown at this uh, processing issue, and we can't get. I mean, we're flying in extra judges, and we just can't seem to get these people processed in in a reasonable amount of time. But that's but then that's. That's what's interesting. That's the weird dichotomy here where 
now it's, oh, well, we just can't get them processed. And like when Trump was in office, it was like, oh, he's just holding kids in cages. And it's like, really, it's actually the same thing and stop acting like it's not. And it's awful either way. Right. Right now, it's a processing issue. We just can't process them in uh, just can't process process them in time. But when well, Trump was in office, the Trump derangement syndrome, and I fell for it too. I did fall for it. I had Trump derangement syndrome there for a minute, and it was uh, I'm really disappointed in myself for it. And that was one of the issues was the kids in cages thing. And then Biden gets in office, and I go, he's doing the same thing, except they're just calling it a processing problem. It's a processing shut up. problem. Shut up. <laughs> just shut up I can't I can't do it anymore but I am interested in uh, I, I do want to kind of tie the crisis at the border right now to Afghanistan and call out the media because that's what we love to do on this show yeah let's um, fuck the media right yeah I'd be very interested to hear uh, you know what the same talking toilets at the cable news network and the cable news outlets that thought we should have stayed in Afghanistan to save the poor women and children would have to say about these people. Oh, wait, I know exactly what I can do. Here's Tucker Carlson. Someone who can answer a lot of those questions is Laura Logan, host of the Laura Logan Has No Agenda show on Fox Nation, which is excellent. She joins us tonight. Laura, thanks so much for coming on. So how these people get here, where are they going? Do you know? Well, you know, What's interesting about these people, Tucker, is that based on what they're telling Border Patrol agents when they're interviewed, many of them, in fact, if not most of them, have come from Chile and Brazil and countries like that. They're not actually coming from Haiti because they've been living in Latin American countries ever since the earthquake. So that's years now. And what they are saying is that the border is wide open. Everybody knows it's wide open. The message is loud and clear. They've seen people crossing there for months. The Biden administration doesn't do anything. And this is their chance. So they said their lives are pretty good. I've seen many of them in the airports here as they're cycled through and distributed all over this country. And they're well-dressed and, you know, very lovely people from what I can tell, you know, well-behaved, great families. But what they don't look like is desperate. They don't look like, for example, Christians fleeing persecution from Nigeria, who are actually in the midst of a genocide, who cannot even get asylum in this country, but who's, the asylum laws are actually written for them. And what you're seeing happen here is, you know, those thousands of people in the bridge trucker, you know what the agents tell me? They've got like 24 porta johns for those people. Several hundred of them, like around 300, escaped on Sunday morning. They just ran away. The conditions are miserable. They don't have enough food. They don't have any real facilities or security. It is an absolute unmitigated disaster. And what you're seeing happen here is... All those people in the Biden administration that came from the Open Society Foundation that we're not allowed to talk about because that'll be the end of us, right? They'll come for all of us. Well, you know what? Those people, those advisors, they don't want a border. What does open society mean? It there means it is. no borders, which means no America, right? No countries. That's why patriotism and the flag and all of those things are so evil today, right? They're automatically white supremacy and nationalism. Never mind that you can be 
be, you know, an African company, country and be proud of your, your flag and your borders. Or you can come from Kosovo or wherever. So what you're seeing is part of a much bigger political picture. It's not just about the border. And it's the same strategy as Afghanistan. Ignore, ignore, ignore. Pretend it's not there and not happening. And the biggest thing here, Tucker, is that people keep using words like failure. They say, oh, they failed to act. No, they chose not to act. Thank they you. chose not to act because they have the outcome that they want. That is such a good point. And <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not a good point. Yeah, like I know. I love how in the oh, bottom. Oh, Laura Logan, you miserable twat. Oh. <laughs> in the bottom, it just says Haitians came out of nowhere. Where it's like you know, like you can't you can't always say correlation is causation. But it's like that's the points that I brought up earlier. Like their fucking president was just assassinated. They just had a seven point two magnitude earthquake. What do you mean they fucking came out of nowhere? They fucking came here out of desperation. Do they have nice clothes? Maybe. Maybe they have nice clothes because six th- fucking a month ago, everything was a little bit hunky-dory for some of them, but now there's nothing. Their house is gone, their president's gone, their government's in shambles. But then then she wants to flip it around and say, well, there's only a few portajons, but that's that's the Biden administration's fault. So these people that were doing perfectly fine are now gross because the leftist globalist monsters are coming to steal your candy. Do you like how they do you like how she just flipped this from yeah. like a humanitarian crisis into the liberals are coming to take all your shit? And what cracks me it's, up, dude, Oh god. What cracks me up is like these people like they, they're so close. They're so close to the fucking answer of like what we're supposed to do. But when they get to that fucking step where they step up and go, yeah, it's government inefficiency. They blame half the government, give the other half a pass when it's the, when it's the same shit that's been happening under, like I said, Obama, Trump, Bush, Clinton. Like it's the same fucking thing over and over when they're all the part of the same fucking government. So it's the same fucking issues that never, ever, ever get solved. Because once one gets into power, they just blame the other half and let it slide. Why? Because it's a hot topic issue that they can use as a political talking point in their next election cycle. But these are the same people that were saying, we have to do things for these Afghanis. 24 portagons. Uh, we're, we're just leaving behind. We have to. But but these people are fine. They're, they're good. They have, they have nice clothes. And the this is this is all part of a globalist movement to come steal all your all your all your candy and your guns and all your shit. Wait, like way to completely change the narrative that, from what's actually happening. Do is that our red pill blue? Is that what you're leading into right now? The red, the red pill blue pill. Like what this can totally be red pill blue pill <laughs> because you want to know what the blue pill is. You're gonna want to take the bullet on this one. The blue pill is. These are human beings, and the border cops are all evil, and we're going to blame Trump policies that Biden still has in place to remain in Mexico. We're humanitarians. We're humanitarians. That was that bomb, was the gunshot. Bomb. <laughs> that was my gunshot. <laughs> already, already, taken the, already taken the bullet. This just in, another drone strike in Syria committed by the Biden administration. So, yeah, now don't this, give me the this fucking humanitarian in, bullshit. This just in, drone strike in Sterling Heights, Michigan for Corey because he took himself out because he refused to take the red pill, red pill, blue pill on this one. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the bullet, too. It's, it's We get one a month. It's September 21st. 
I'm taking the bullet on this one too. I am not choosing either side here. Yeah, no, fuck. Because they are both it's, so it's, gross. It's bullshit. You know, like open borders, letting everyone in is bullshit. Demonizing people who are at at such a desperate point where they're literally leaving everything behind for a glimpse of a chance at life to walk thousands and thousands of miles, hop on makeshift rafts, and cross hundreds of miles of water. No. They're oversimplifying, oversimplifying the shit out of this, and it's it's. I'm not I'm not biting. I'm not biting on that one one bit. <laughs> it pisses me Pay off that we try to do that. Like, attention. Hey, why don't we end the war on drugs? Hey, why don't we stop destabilizing other countries? Maybe they'll stop trying to run here because we're the, the nearest stable country. It's hard. Thinking is hard. Thinking is so hard, Dan. Do you want to get to the news from Recall, or do you have something else before that? Because we also got to do how much freedom is too much freedom. <laughs> uh, we could do that. That's a little lighthearted. You want to do how much freedom is too much freedom? Yeah, that's all you. Just let me let me know how much freedom is too much freedom, Dan. So, Corey, in the last couple weeks, has done how woke is too woke, and that's kind of like making fun of the... Uh, the liberal narratives. I got we, so we have to come back with with making fun of some conservative narratives. And I've decided to dub this one "How much freedom is too much freedom?" And the headline, I believe, this is from the Washington Post. Originally, uh, an anti-vaxer decided to come to work in blackface, comparing her plight to that of Rosa Parks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. In the latest example of anti-vaxxers playing victim, a special education assistant. A, a special, I didn't realize she was a special education it. assistant. Hey, this is coming that makes from it two, so much worse. Because me and you have both worked in the mental health field. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, God. Like, fucking Christ. Oh, way to teach kids on the spectrum to <laughs> wear blackface. Uh, a special education assistant in Newburgh, Oregon, uh, elementary school, reported reportedly wore blackface to work last Friday to protest a vaccine mandate for district employees. A staff member told the Newberg Graphic that Lauren Pfefferla, Pfefferly? I don't care, has <laughs> had, had darkened her face with iodine in order to look like Rosa Parks. God yep, let that sink in. The, inc- the incident is part of a pattern of anti-vaxxers drawing ridiculous parallels between vaccination and fascism and casting themselves as oppressed. According to a statement from Newburgh Public Schools, Buffurley was removed from Mabel Rush Elementary School and placed on administrative leave. Wasn't fired? Okay. Uh, it, it, uh, I, can't, I don't know whose quote that is, so I'm not going to go for it. That's the story. I mean, that's it. Like, just, like, is there anything else that needs to be said? I'm just, I'm, I'm literally over here like it's hard for you to pay attention to the story because I'm over here cracking up just picturing this chick in the bathroom. Smearing iodine on her face, going, This is going, I'll show them. <laughs> That'll do it. This is going to show them. I'll show them oppression. I'm and Rosa then, Parks today. And then she used fucking iodine and not just regular makeup and iodine stains. <laughs> so when they're walking <laughs> her out, trying to say, No, no, I'll wash it off. I'll wash it off. And it just doesn't <laughs> she- come off. She's going to look like Rachel Dolezal for a while, and she's not going to feel good about that fact. <laughs> this 2005 Paris Hilton tan that she's going to be walking around with. Oh, God, I hope she's blonde or something. That would make it so much more ridiculous. God damn it. Yeah, it's just like, like, oh, man, like you really put the cart 
or the ho- or the cart in front of the horse on that one. Like you're just really <laughs> just sitting there drinking. What was it? We should just sit there drinking wine, watching yeah, Hans made tail going. Oh my god! Yep, this is it. Like that's it. Tomorrow I'm <laughs> I'm iodine in my face. That's that's how much freedom is too much freedom. That's uh, that's too much freedom. <laughs> Clearly, well, she was actually trying to fight for her freedom. Okay, uh, can, can, can <laughs> you kidding. can you imagine can you imagine Sean Hannity covering that story? No, or even Tucker. Like even they're like I, I you know I who touching that one. You know who also <laughs> wouldn't touch that story? Michael Trudeau. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Trudeau or, or not, Justin Trudeau? Or Justin Trudeau, sorry. <laughs> yeah. You, you're talking about the Prime Minister of Canada, yeah, right? Trudeau, that guy. Yeah. The other one who did brownface. Didn't, uh, isn't this the second time he was busted for blackface? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Two, the early 2000s were a wild time, man. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> While well, being black was cool. Yeah, I saw, I saw Friday. And Friday after next, and what was the? Other? Don't I watched Cat Williams comedy specials? <laughs> what were you doing? Don't uh, don't sip. What is it? Uh, don't sip Kool Aid. Oh fuck! What's that movie? Don't drink your Kool Aid in the hood while you're. I don't know. See, you're not black. I'm not black, and now we all know that. Now we all know that because I don't because I don't know the name of one movie. I'm not black. <laughs> I'm not black anymore, Dan. Uh, not anymore. Don't sip. I'm gonna look this up. Don't sip. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we'll get started on the Newsome recall. <laughs> yeah, tell me all about that. Because I got some stuff to say about that. Gavin Newsom didn't get recalled, and uh, z- precisely zero percent of either political party is surprised by that <laughs> by that result. I don't even was it wasn't the final result like sixty eight percent no or something like, like it wasn't even close. Yeah, yeah, it's like they had polling like in the very beginning before it uh, before the Republicans decided to like double down and throw a candidate into it. Newsom was actually like probably on his way out, but then as soon as the Republicans decided to make it about an election run for their candidate versus just recalling Newsom. Everyone in California was like, oh, no, 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 no. See, I don't know that I don't know that uh, he would have been recalled had they not made this about Gavin Newsom versus Larry Elder. Like, that they, yeah, I can't, I cannot, I will never get my head around horrible, horrible, horrible election strategies that the Republicans have had essentially since Karl Rove died, or I don't even, is he dead? I don't even know if he's still, is he still around? Who, but ever wait, since Karl Rove. Okay. okay, I'm sorry to cut you off, but the movie I was talking about was Don't Be a Menace in South, Don't Be a Menace of South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. It is a real movie. I got you. <laughs> it is a real movie. I'm sorry, I got hung up on that because I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, Gavin Newsom, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, strategies by Republicans in these elections have just been absolutely atrocious. They ever since Karl Rove walked away, and 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 after doing what he did for for George W. Bush twice, their election strategies have been 
awful. And it's not that the Democrats' election strategies have been any better, because both sides are basically just going, I'm not the other person. Yeah, because they're both <laughs> And that's why you should vote for me. Yeah, and so, you know, when you use that strategy in California, it is a predominantly liberal state. Yeah, and all they did You're was just lose. waste time, many, money, and resources to where they would have just literally let anybody else win, even if it was a less prominent demo- a Democrat who probably would have shit the bed anyways. They threw in Larry Elder, who is this radio host who said he would have voted against the civil rights movement. And it's like, you don't pick someone like that in the most liberal state in the country. And then they had Trump the night before the elections. He comes out already. He's like, it's rigged. (laughs) He fucking said it was rigged before the day even the elections even happened. Of course it's rigged. Why wouldn't it be rigged? He did the same shit in Georgia. And like, I'll tell you what, you know what that all that fucking does is it makes the voter base just like, dude, not want to be engaged. They went with Larry Elder. It's really, really not difficult to see why. It's the same reason why the Republicans went with, have gone with John James six fucking hundred times for Senate in Michigan. It's because he's a black Republican. I mean, it's like, can you just they only got you a want to talk about? So they they try to dust them right, off and bring them out anytime they can because the only time you hear their names is during elections. They're token black guys. That's all they are. And then you want to sit there and, and accuse, you know, liberals and leftists of making everything about race. What the hell do you think you're doing by throwing guys like Larry Elder and John James into these into these elections that they have no chance to win? They have no chance to win. Nope. But you can say, hey, look, we're not the racist party anymore. Whoa. Look at all these black people we, we have. We get along with the Cubans. Fuck off. And we get along with John James. Okay. Chief Craig is a Republican. <laughs> We're not racist. Oh, yeah, dude, and what kills me too is then all of a sudden the so left obvious. because it's a black Republican, they immediately like just like nix them from the community. <laughs> and it's like you can't be black and have different points of view. How dare you? Uh, Joe Biden said it best. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Right. It's a point. say that. I feel so like very, very smart of Joe. It's insane how all the minority communities are just used as pawns. And some monolithic, yeah. just fucking chess piece to move around. By both establishments. Both oh, yeah, establishments. they both do it. The Democratic establishment does it, and the Republican establishment does it. Oh, yeah. You see it every day. Every, I mean, that that's that's really what Barack Obama every was. Every goddamn time, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really what Barack Obama was. Can we just call it that now? That we're, that we're what is it? Almost twelve years later, or whatever it is, I don't even know what year. Yeah, it is it's anymore. nothing more than a moderate. The reason he got the flare was because of the color of his skin. Yeah, and it paid off. Like we just talked about two thousand eleven. Like he was literally in other countries trying to nix minimum wage hikes. You know, like he used depleted uranium bullets in Afghanistan and Iraq. You know, he was. Funded by Goldman Sachs, yeah, like you, like he bailed out the banks, but didn't bail out the fucking people who lost their homes. Like you can go on and on and on. Like he wasn't a progressive. Yeah. He wasn't a man of the people. No, he just had this flair. I'm I'm convinced there's no such thing as an actual progressive in in Washington. I mean, after I saw and and I and I've already had my qualms with things that AOC has done before, but it, like the 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 gal address was like the finals final nail in the coffin for me. Like. You're not really a progressive. You like to play this game to hold on to this progressive vote and just 
cuck yourself to the to the Democratic establishment. Oh yeah, I mean Bernie phone. Sanders is the closest. Bernie Sanders is the closest thing we've ever had to an actual progressive. I don't know, and I think he is an actual progressive. Every time the this, problem every is, time this comes up, I'll point to this sign behind me. My girl Tulsi, true progressive, and she literally got ran out of town. She's not even a part of the Democratic Party anymore. Yeah, well. So there is, you know, it doesn't, doesn't go against what you said. There are no progressives in Washington. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> if, if you're, if you're, if you're an actual progressive, you're eliminated. Yeah. You're just completely, you're completely eliminated. But what's interesting about somebody like Tulsi is that she gets accused of being, you know, a, a Russian asset oh my or. God, dude, I remember uh, screaming at my computer when people were saying that when she was like, well, she was on the, the national is, too, Corey, defense committee is like, she served in our military. And it's like, how can you, like, everyone, how can you just shit on someone who's literally put their life on the line for the country like that for a political gain? The thing is, too, Corey, she can't be a progressive. Do you know why? Because she has opinions regarding trans women in women's sports. That and she's been uh, very vocal about that. And she's not for open borders. She kind of has the same. She has the same like mantra that I have. Where it's like, hire more immigration judges, hire more lawyers. Let's get these people into the fucking country and have them paying taxes. We we're in the middle of figuring out how we're gonna get more money right now and trying to talk about raising the debt ceiling. I'll tell you what, get all these people hiding in, uh, out of hiding from the corners and put them on revenue. It might be a Fair step enough. in the right direction. That was that. That was a a very sharp turn from the Gavin Newsom recall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's how it goes when you drink bourbon and you banter, dude. How about General Milley? Uh, fill me in again. So General Milley is he's the uh, he was the chairman, Joint Chief of Staffs under Trump. You know, the top in charge of the military, or whatever. And so yes, I know the story. I just need I need to be refreshed. And so. During the gen, like right around the time of the January sixth shit was happening, in between the election, January sixth, January twentieth, when Trump was just losing his fucking mind, he uh, was making calls to allies and uh, adversaries alike, you know, to reassure uh, both allies and adversaries uh, that we were that we are stable, we weren't going to be doing some sort of attack on anybody, and so he made two calls to uh, General Liz. Zhoshang of the People's Liberation Army in China to assure them that there wasn't going to be no surprise attack. Because he read in, because apparently, this is all from the book Peril by uh, Woodward, you know, that guy and stuff. And so apparently, yeah, Robert Woodward and uh, Robert Costa. And so apparently, he read intelligence that China really thought that we were going to attack them. And so he called them and was like, listen, it's, we're, we're not doing that. That's not going to happen. If something crazy happens that we don't agree with, then I will give you a ring. So we could get into the idea that, like, does the general, does the general of the army hold his allegiance to the Constitution or the commander in chief, which would be the president? Did he, was he actually doing his job by circumventing like a what he potentially thought? So he knew more than any of us thought. So was he circumventing a rogue person that thought was circumventing the Constitution? 
and doing this, or was he going under behind Trump's back because he didn't like Trump? All of that's still up in the air and stuff. But the reason why I bring this up, is, which is important, is because uh, of the two parties, Dan, which ones really like to bring up the military as, like, their people? You know what I mean? Like, oh, we support the military, we support the troops. You talking about politicians or voters? Politicians in general. It's typically the Republicans. Because it's, it, I mean, it's the same. It's the same either way. Yeah, it's it's Republicans. But the yeah. Republicans always try to politicize the military, you know, that the Democrats don't care. They make our military weak. And they always, like, you hear on Fox News all the time that the military, they don't trust, they don't trust the Democrats being in charge. And they're so quick to now... Th- to protect Trump, they're all calling for the resignation of this guy. But I don't even know if they realize that, like, in doing that, they're going against their very own little political talking point of the Democrats and saying that the the military doesn't trust the Democrats when the very top brass, like the head honcho under the commander-in-chief, went against the president himself, a Republican. Because I can, I can tell you exactly why. It's because they... And I'm talking about like the vocal, like hard, hardened Trump supporters, right? I don't want people to think I'm talking about all Trump voters, right? I know Trump voters that are good people. I'm never going to like lump them all into, into, uh, but these fucking sycophants, these crazy people. Yep. Uh, they, they're so, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. Like they're so fucking stupid <laughs> that they, they, they think Trump is this weird genius and everything he says chess, is ex- is exactly right. So when Trump uses this word, we've heard him use it multiple times. You know what I'm talking about? Begins with a T. Treason. Treason. Yeah. Anyone? When Trump calls treason, oh my God, the gloves come off. Well, here's the thing with his treason too. His treason, it isn't. Uh, treason against the Constitution. It isn't treason against the Declaration of Independence or the Bill of Rights or the American people or just any sort of branch of government here in America. You know, it's treason against him. So that's why, yeah. you know yeah, what well, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Never... Under the guise of being treasonous to the United States, of course. Right. Because, I mean, what's treason? You know, you could look up the actual, like, term for it and it's like uh, taking an action against, like, a, a country that you pledge allegiance to or whatever. And is him trying to protect and preserve the Constitution and the people of America and and, cre- and creating a branch of communication to create any form of stability to protect me and you personally and our listeners and anyone else? Is that treason to America? Or is that treason to Donald J. Trump? It's treason to Donald J. Trump. Yeah. I, it's, that's, it's not- that's unacceptable. He apparently, I was reading this thing just today, actually, talk about Mike Pence when it came to the January 6th uh, thing. It's in the same book, Peril or whatever. And he they say that Trump was telling Mike Pence, like, you better not certify these votes. I made you. You were nothing before I met you. And all of this crazy shit. And just berating Pence. Because he wouldn't go with uh, Trump. And he went with the Constitution. Oh my. How could he? And so right now, yeah. So right. The best thing Mike Pence has ever done his entire life. Right. And so is, like. It's just literally just sit there and sign a piece of paper. Right. 
And so my question is, like, this is still, he, like, uh, Millie says he's not going to talk to anyone. He has to go and talk to, which is actually, this is something that I was thinking about today, too. That almost, like, this was almost brought up and it's being uh, exasperated on purpose. Because, so Mike Millie is supposed to go and talk to Congress later this month about Afghanistan and what happened in Afghanistan and the pullout, right? Well, now the conversation is going to be shifting from that to him calling China. So now everything that happened in Afghanistan when they were going to be doing this debriefing with him is getting brushed under the rug. And they're going to be talking about this puff piece that's in this book, whether or not Mike Milley went against Trump and created a treasonous act. Which in all reality, when you're in the military, you pledge an oath to the Constitution. You're there to protect the Constitution. You're not there to protect the president. Our no, government, this, the president's just your boss. Our government right? So like, if your boss up. tells you to do something shitty, are you going to do it? To create integrity for America and accountability, our, our military branches and our government and everything is set up for lower branches to be able to circumvent them and like call them out on their bullshit. And in a roundabout way, he might have. And he also said that these calls like this were done regularly. These are This is literally diplomacy. This is a part of, like, it's a part of strategic moves to uh, make sure that relationships are stable with adversaries and allies alike. So was this treason? I really don't know the inner workings of military law enough to say it was and so we're gonna have to find out whether or not he steps down you know right now obviously the commander-in-chief we have now is like oh i have complete faith in him because he went against (laughs) trump but the guy has complete faith in his ice cream cones too so (laughs) (laughs) that's totally fair i think if you i think if you polled people i think you'd get like it'd probably be something like 50 50 based on political ideologies a hundred percent and nobody nobody knows and (laughs) <laughs> Whatever. I, I honestly like. I don't care enough right now. <laughs> unless, unless, unless something actually comes out of this. Uh, do we want to get to our monologues? Uh, we can. I actually went to the people about the border. Crisis. Oh, you did. All right. Let's let's go to the people first. I went to the people. Uh, I said, "What is the best way to solve the border crisis?" Because Reddit always has the answers. And and uh, it, it seems like all these people too. Also, full disclosure just are at the same crossroads as everyone else's. Like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Because I didn't get very any thought-provoking questions. I mean, answers to my question. Uh, Steve Electric 907 said, It will never be solved, unfortunately, and certain people will see to it that it's never solved. Just one of those ongoing issues. And it's kind of like what we talked about before with, like, the homeless people and things like that. And people make a lot of money pretending to manage these issues. To where like, right, right. the the, uh, the profit isn't uh, there to incentivize people trying to finish these problems. Same with the forever wars, right? Yeah. A lot of people make a lot of money this, when we go to war. This person goes, send all the police and FBI sent protecting the Capitol from the fake QAnon BS the other day and send them to the Very border. <laughs> if they wanted to try to solve it, they could. They don't even try. Very V- very good. <laughs> we didn't even get to that, but that's yeah. And, oh yeah, we didn't. That would have been a good. That's one. all right. This person in all caps. NWO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. 
That's a I dude, I watch I just recently watched uh it came out in like twenty fourteen, but it was like the uh uh, it was on WWE Network because I, I don't know if you were a wrestling fan when you were younger, but I was enough. And uh, I grew up in the Attitude Era, and it was the so best I era. watched. Yeah, I, I watched. I watched that when uh, when Hogan went from a hero to a heel. That's and yeah, I, I watched it. Was, the series was like twenty episodes. It was called uh, Monday Night Wars, and it was all about WCW versus uh, WWF. It was it was actually really good. I was like I was like I was watching it. Even like Marissa was even making fun of me because I was like she's like you're watching a wrestling. Do you ever show? watch like, Dark I'm Side of the childhood Ring? Childhood out. Do you ever watch Dark Side yeah. of the Ring? Uh-uh. Oh my god, dude! Fucking watch Dark Side of the Ring. It's all about the like the dark shit that happened like off stage. It's on HBO. Oh and yeah, dude, I checked that out. It's so fucking good. It like one of my favorite episodes was when they talk about the uh, the brawl for all. When they try to do this thing where they made all the wrestlers, you know, they're all athletic, athletic people, right? But like they did this. Yeah, episode, they're all legitimate athletes. But they did yeah. this thing where like instead of them doing their choreographed fights, they just gave them boxing gloves and actually made them box. And none of them knew what the fuck they were doing. And it ruined like a bunch of careers of like a bunch of them because <laughs> they all got exposed because they're all supposed to be these fucking like characters that are in in invulnerable and shit. And then to be this no name fucking a uh, wrestler who actually had a little bit of boxing training and just beating the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think it ruined like a marriage and shit. Like, yeah, it was fucking wild. I'm sure it did. A lot of things ruined marriages. Yeah. So then we got politics uh, included. open all the borders. What border crisis? The obvious solution is to abolish the borders. Another person said, I hope Thanos doesn't have a Reddit account. <laughs> <laughs> Another person said lasers. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Just lasers. There were no thought-provoking responses to that None question whatsoever. At all. Um, on Facebook, so we got Robbie Robertson watching. He's the uh the uh-huh. host of uh, Out of the Blank podcast. Welcome, Robbie. Yeah, he said uh Corey is my dad, which I'm gonna I'm gonna put on record that that is an unsubstantiated unsubstantiated claim, and I'll see you in court. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think not you're, uh, any back pay I think your wife would be support. upset to hear that. And then he said he'll be submitting his presidential candidacy run in 2024, which I would vote for Robbie over Biden. You Harris, got our, or you got our vote. <laughs> you got our vote. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm actually kind of like a, uh, I guess you could call an alumni of sorts on his show. I've been on there five times at this point. He's going to throw me a shirt, so I'm going to make sure I wear it on the show. Oh, keep bragging. Oh, because <laughs> he's handing me a shirt. I told him, <laughs> I, I want to get him on the show because Robbie's actually a really sure. cool guy. We just need to figure out the, the perfect puzzle piece to fit him in with. Well, how can the uh, how can the people on Facebook Live uh, find us before we let them go and head to the monologue segment? Um, well, we are on Facebook at Libservative. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Libservative Pod. You can reach out to us directly directly at Libservative at gmail dot com. We are dropping our monologues in a uh, WordPress. We're at Word, WordPress or Libservative dot WordPress dot com. You can find our podcast on all of your so- on all of your uh, podcast platforms, whether it's Google Play, Audible, uh, Facebook. We're actually on Facebook podcasts. We are on Apple, Stitcher, Spreaker, all the fun ones. Any of the ones that you listen to, uh, reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Comment, like, and share. And uh, yeah, stay frosty out there. Yep.
Later, Facebook people. See you next week. We'll be back on right around about the same time between 7 and 8. Well, they might have missed that. That's okay. Here we are. <laughs> if they now download the, the episode, they'll know. <clears throat> we got rid of the normies, as I like to say. Uh, Corey, for your monologue, what are you looking at this week? I, I only, I'm only making you go first because I actually got to find mine. Where the hell did I put it? <laughs> so I got the border <laughs> crisis. All right. All right. All right. Let me take a step in my bourbon because this one's a little long-winded. I might have to pour me another, actually, now that we're, now that we're sitting here. <clears throat> when a bird roosts somewhere, it rests there. This rather old saying, chickens have come home to roost, is normally used to mean that the bad things that someone has done in the past have come back to bite or haunt the individual. That's the first thing that popped up when I googled when the chickens come home to roost, to find the quote to start this monologue. With something like eight flights a day of 135 Haitians each flight, it appears the Biden administration is doubling down on a policy eerily familiar to Mr. Trump, all the while acting welcoming and happy-go-lucky giving extreme mixed messages, quietly sending them back home to a government, or lack thereof for that matter, due to a recent assassination of their president and a 7.2 magnitude earthquake. With no Justin Bieber singing We Are the World in sight, the last, in sight like the last earthquake the dev- to devastate the country a short 10 years ago when they never recovered from, ah, Haiti, the mo- ah, Haiti, most Americans barely know ye, yet these tangled webs we weave an interventionalism and feigned doing the most good attitude, we really screwed the pooch. But enough about Haiti, right? I mean, that's obviously what the boys on horseback thought as they desperately tried to do their job of just stem the tide of literal stream of a literal stream of immigrants crossing the southern border. The frustration on the faces of men of those men, just as powerless as the men trying to cross that border, have been put there as a band-aid. Or have been put, yeah, those men have been put there as a band-aid on a bullet wound. A wound that has festered for roughly a hundred years at this point. From military occupation to the, to the, the Clinton's stifling wages, wage hikes, we've had our fingers up Haiti's ass since the early 1800s, and the fruition of four-fifths of a college-educated, of college-educated Haitians leaving the country to find jobs, and the rest just happening, hopping on rafts, hoping to find Hopping on rafts, Cuban style, to Central America. To find asylum, only to find out Haitians fleeing a shitty banana republic isn't as sexy as commies looking for a better life so they are so they are treated as illegals trying to take a shortcut. Never mind natural and man-made disasters, some of, our own, some of which are our own concoction. I wish I was done here on my rant, but no. This is just one example of at least a dozen other countries we've quite literally fucked and told to kick rocks. And the story of Haiti is one of many with an exponential result that leads to not only an unstable island, but an unstable South America and Latin America. Don't believe me? Just turn on the fucking news. This isn't some Soros plan, and this isn't some lazy asses just looking for a handout. This is the culmination of shitty foreign policy and interventionalism in the name of fighting communism that led to a destabilized continent that left wide gaps for corruption and violence. Corruption and violence that led to to a mass exodus on a continental scale. There is more than one way to skin a cat, 
and throwing our two cents on solving the border crisis is easy. From ending the war on drugs to hiring more immigration judges and lawyers, I could go on and on, on my opinion, but what we're seeing today is the chickens coming home to roost. And instead of blaming each other for the current situation, we should take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Yeah, the I love it's not something we talked about during the uh, crisis segment, but like the comparison to Cuba. Yeah, right. They're heroes. They're heroes if they leave They're Cuba. They're communism. But like Haiti is literally a, another country that we have fucked with just like Cuba, Cuba, but just under different circumstances. And because Cuba isn't a communist country, but literally a banana republic where it's a puppet government after puppet government and a destabilization of a capitalistic economy, we're like, oh, you should just stay home and pull your stuff up by your bootstraps. <laughs> Meanwhile, Cuba is a... Way more stabilized. Moderately, way yeah, moderately more successful than Haiti. A moderately successful communist country that's actually been uh, given shit by the most powerful country in Damn, the world. We don't have still found a way to stick around. We don't have twelve thousand uh, Cubans under the Del Rio Bridge on the border in Texas right now. We have twelve thousand <laughs> Haitians. Thank you for putting it so bluntly to me, Corey. <laughs> right, like that's. It's fucking bullshit, dude. Like, it's just, oh, my God. It's just, I just hate, it goes It goes back to the Afghanistan But Amer- Americans don't even want borders anymore. The Democrats don't even want borders. No, well, that's the thing. Is some of them don't. <laughs> well, actually, that's a libertarian. <laughs> that's funny because that's a libertarian thing, too. Yeah. And that's actually like a libertarian Uh-oh. mantra, too, that uh, the borders uh, should, like, people should be able to come and go freely from the country based on their personal liberties. Open Open borders. Tulsi, why don't you just become a Republican? Wow. If you did, I'd probably vote for her. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? A, like, Oh, my God. Dude, if a Theodore Roosevelt fucking uh, Republican showed up, Teddy, short of his, short <laughs> of his imperialistic uh, tendencies. But, yeah, like conservationalism, breaking up the big corporations and the big banks, sprinkling some a little bit more environmentalism into that conversation, conservationalism. Oh my god, dude! I'd have a wet dream. Maybe I'd have a wet dream. About maybe, it. Ad- maybe ad- yeah. I was gonna say maybe admit climate change is real. Oh my god, yeah. You know what's just funny though because <laughs> Dan Crenshaw, when you listen to his podcast, he actually did admit that climate change is real. When you come to the younger, more sensible Republicans, but the, the Republican mantra doesn't like to talk about it because they have their own little thing like the Democrats do. If they just try to just keep everyone together, you know. Dan Crenshaw, he's like, yeah, he's like climate change it is changing and it can be an issue he goes like the argument is like how much exactly humans are causing it and how much we're supposed to do to help fight it what about china china's still polluting yeah yeah even though the data will tell you that the single biggest polluter in the world in the world is the united states military is that that like an institution or like Overall, because I think but, we use less coal now than China, but I guess that's an easy way to say that we're doing the amount better of, when it comes to your carbon. The amount footprint. of carbon, the amount of carbon emissions that just the U.S. military utilizes on a on yearly is is bigger than any other entity in the world. Interesting. Oh, it's available, but that's me shitting on the military, so I should probably shut up. <laughs> yeah, especially after <laughs> that, you've been dog shitted on for uh, talking about Afghanistan. 
Oh yeah. I have for some reason I, that means I hate the military. Yeah, I don't know why, but like no one pushed back on me and anyone I talked to about it. They were just like But yeah, but Biden botched it. It's like sure Biden botched it, but guess what? Yeah. No more American always, soldiers are gonna die over there and they're like, Yeah, I guess it was always like, It was always bullshit straw man arguments. It was like this is not a win for Joe Biden. I'm like, where in what anything I where I said was this a win for Joe Biden? Wait, where did where did I say that? I just, at this point I feel like I'm uh, vain when it comes to like social media arguments. It's like, oh <laughs> you're you're in the darkness. I was born in it, molded. You want to fucking argue fucking politics with me on social media? I'll make you look like a fucking idiot. You just sounded like like if Jimmy Stewart played Bane. <laughs> <laughs> Why are there so many ostriches? <laughs> I, I get to, to do the thing like, oh, I yes. was molded by the darkness. I was molded by the darkness. <laughs> Still Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, come on down here. I was molded by the darkness. <laughs> come on down. It's nice down here. Dude, all of my impressions are literally not good. <laughs> no, they they're, they always they always just they always sound like something else. It's like it's always a spot on a spot on uh, impersonation of somebody else doing that impression. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I just don't know who the other person is. I need someone to give me feedback to let me know. That could be a bit for me <laughs> if I did stand up. Here's my impersonation of Jimmy Stewart being Bane. <laughs> Everyone be like, "Who the, what like the a, fuck a, are you talking about, dude?" Half the crowd wouldn't know who Bane is, and the other half the crowd wouldn't know who Jimmy Stewart is. Yep. <laughs> How to not get any laughs? One hundred and one. <laughs> oh fuck! All right, is it my turn? Shit. I guess so. There was a dramatic pause of me drinking bourbon. That's just what I was going for the same thing. So it was a dramatic pause for both of us. Uh, that's dead space. All right. As California Governor Gavin Newsom walks away from his recall election unscathed and without so much as a drip of sweat running down what I'm sure are his extremely well-groomed balls. Sit in this chair. Do I sit in this chair and think about hypocrisy? That's all I can think about. Not because Gavin Newsom is any sort of special, hypocritical dynamo. Not because he's been busted dining at the nicest restaurant in the country with a couple of health with a couple of health insurance execs, unmasked while telling his state that his party is fighting for better health care and almost imprisoning people who step foot outside their homes without a mask on. Not because Gavin Newsom says he's fighting to get California to eradicate poverty while Los Angeles and San Francisco drown under a tidal wave of homelessness. But because all I can think of is hypocrisy when thinking of the establishment elite. Gavin Newsom is nobody special in this regard. Hypocrisy is a meaningless word in political discourse in 2021. Catching an establishment elite Doing or saying something hypocritical is like catching a 14-year-old boy masturbating when you notice that he's using the restroom a little bit more often. We don't want to believe it, and we try to pretend like our guy doesn't do that sort of thing, but we all know he does. <laughs> and it's not just establishment politicians. It's all of the elites, media included. When Fox News says, we have to help Afghan women and children by 
staying in Afghanistan, and then a week later ignore the humanity of thousands of Haitian migrants at the border. When CNN claims that Russia was the reason that Hillary Clinton lost the election in 2016 with scant evidence, if any at all, and then proceeds to say that Trump supporters are white nationalist conspiracy theorists for claiming voter fraud in 2020, when any thinking person would know that both of these claims are complete bullshit. What are those things if not hypocrisy? The use of claims of hypocrisy, in my view, are why we are in the place we are in today. It's why we're engaged in, a, in, in culture war that will never have a clear winner. Because you can't win a war that's entirely based on opinion. If you say the other guy is a hypocrite, you don't have to take responsibility for the hypocrisies committed by your own guy. Why? Because it becomes an endless war of hyperbole, yeah, but and straw man arguments about things that generally have no real value in furthering our society. So I implore, when you're having a political argument or debate, stop pointing out the hypocrisies of the other side. It's not helpful. Because your side is hypocritical as well. Just expect better instead of arguing about what's well, this guy's better and this guy's better because this guy does this and this girl does this what do you actually want to see take place in your country what do you actually want yeah it's a uh and demand it just a downroad spiral that we're leading down i uh on a facebook post recently um Someone was talking about AOC's tax the rich, tax the rich uh, uh, dress, you know. And the chick, she was actually talking about how, like, kind of like where we're at with it. And someone commented and was like, "Yeah, but what mm, about?" There's always a yeah, but uh, I can't remember the chick's name. It was like it's a weird name. It's like Yvonne something or something like that. But she wore the build the wall dress. Remember that to the the Grammys. A girl wore a dress that said build the wall. And it was in uh, Pink Floyd writing and stuff. And she completely missed the mark of the actual fucking song or the movie because it was literally the opposite of what she was trying to say. Like another brick in the wall <laughs> yeah. with Pink Floyd or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, she wore a dress that said build the wall. And it's like, I have to say, it's like, yo, it's like, sure. Yeah. That girl did get pleasant press from the right, and the left was freaking out, and now the right is giving AOC shit, and the left is, like, loving it. And it's like, the hypocrisy is the hypocrisy is the hypocrisy, and as long as we stop explaining away our own side's shortcomings based on the standards of the other side then that level of virtue and that level of morals and that level of values keeps getting notched down more and more and more. Almost to the drop-dead bottom of where we're at now. And it's... It's... Yeah, it's... It's uh, it's absolutely asinine that, like, where is the level of value? Because that level of value can be dropped because of the fact that the other side that we hate, the side that we're supposed to be pissed off about and the side that we don't like set that value level lower. So now it's okay if we do it because they did it and then vice Moral versa. Moral equivalency. 
Yeah. It's moral equivalency. But the calibration of this moral equivalent compass keeps getting calibrated to a lower decibel and a lower decibel and lower decibel every single goddamn time that we do that. And at what point? Yeah, it's like a, it's like, a, it's like, it's like a, a good it's like a good football team that plays down to their competition, right? They play a bad team and maybe they barely win the game because they play down to that level of competition. Like I'm I'm sick of of doing that as a society. Like let's stop playing down to our level of yeah, competition. Yeah, when did this weird tumble happen? When is someone going to from one side to the other go, "Yeah, my side fucking sucks and I'm going to work on that." But I'm also going to call I blame Newt Gingrich. <laughs> Newt Gingrich. <laughs> I really do. I really do blame Newt Gingrich. He, he started like, the, uh, this, the but what about type politics shit. Yeah, it it was, yeah. It, it, his, you, you, I'm not going to explain it to you now because it's we're, we're getting long in the tooth on the show. But yeah, if, if, if you go look up uh, some things, some, some, some reworkings that he did when he was Speaker of the House in the 90s, you, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's fucking Newt Gingrich. Okay. Oh, it wasn't Newt Gingrich because I'm a Republican and it couldn't be Newt Gingrich. That's what people, some people would say. <laughs> yeah, some people. Those are some. I almost want to ask like a a diehard Republican. I almost, I actually don't know why I have never asked anybody this question. I think I'm going to start asking people this question and I think I'm going to bring the answers to the show. I'm going to find establishment Democrats. I know a few. And I'm going to say, do you ever think there's been a bad Democrat? And I really want to know what their answer is. I'm going to do the same thing for establishment Republicans. Do you ever think there's been a bad Republican? I really want to know what their answers are. That's interesting. I know uh, an establishment Democrat that I can ask, and I know an establishment Republican that I can ask that question. And that's a pretty good question. Because honestly, the establishment Republican I want to ask, he recently said, he goes, yeah, Trump's not good for the Republican Party. So you already know that there's there, that, that he's got one. But I think that that would actually be a good way for these unbelievably polarized Democrats and Republicans that I can't even believe these two parties still exist and are still in power. But either way, there's people that are in them. Like, start your next conversation that way. Ask that Republican across the table from you, do you think there's ever been a shitty Republican? And he'll probably return the favor by asking you, do you think there's ever been a shitty Democrat? And you, if you can't answer yes... That's why I'm so happy and that I don't... <laughs> if, if, but hold on, Corey. If, 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 if you get asked that question and you cannot answer, yes, this person was a bad Democrat, or if, if you can't give at least 12 examples, you, you're lost. You're just, I'm sorry, you're just lost. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 about uh just uh what's the word um self reflection like on a, a more of a macro scale like when you look at your party it's like weird for some reason everyone they emotionally attach themselves to these parties at this weird ridiculously high level of standard to where it's like if you attack the party you're attacking them. And it's like, I think that's almost like the basis of our show. Like, that's, no, that's not what we're supposed to do. <laughs> like, like I want, if we, if our show does anything, it's just getting everyone to call the balls and strikes. And it's like, you can be a Republican, that's fine. You can be a Democrat, that's fine. But if someone on your team fucks up, call them out. Like, you want your party to be the party of the higher standard than the other party. The Democrats tote this thing of this moral high ground, but it's like, it's all word salad. 
And it's even worse sometimes because, like, they do it based on this, like, phony progressivism that is so gross. It's not even real. Yeah. Like, it's not real. Like, Democrats are not progressives. I'm going to put it to you this way. I'm going to put it the way Jimmy Dore puts it. And, yeah, I listen to Jimmy Dore. Sue me. Jimmy Dore's a good artist. Or a Demo- good uh, fucking Dem- talker, speaker, whatever you want to say, podcaster. Democrats are Republicans now. And Republicans are crazy right-wing fucking weirdos. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where we are right now. If you can't admit that those two things are true, we're never going to move it back to center. That's why it's Because that's where yeah, we are. It's going to take me a long time to get behind a Republican because of the fact that all they do, their whole policy, their mantra, their campaign uh, messages and everything is just... Socialism! We're against Democrats! <laughs> They're socialists. And, and they couldn't be further from socialists. They're not. They just, I mean, you just... Yeah, that's what kills me. Our, our furthest left people here, based on, uh, are like virtually every other developed country in the world, is <laughs> like basically a moderate. Bernie Sanders would yeah, be a took moderate our, if, in if all you take, of Europe and in it, Canada. And yeah, if you took our Democratic Party and went to Europe, they'd be conservatives. They're conservatives. They're conservatives. Hundred percent. We got it. We got it. We got to end this bitch, man. We're gonna. We're getting close to an hour and a half. Do you have anything you want to finish with? Um. Robbie messaged me and said, why am I wearing a hat, a blue hat, and called me a Democrat, so I want to (laughs) say that's not true. I thought about taking it off when I read it. Like, I read it, like, about 30, like, about 40 minutes ago, and I was like, yeah. (laughs) Like, I almost called him out, but, like, you were talking, so I was like, I got to pay attention to what Dan is saying, so I can have a response. It's like the blue version of a MAGA hat you're wearing uh-huh. right now. But it's it's BSG. It's beverage solutions something. It's something to do with the brewing industry. It's not. <laughs> I'm glad I chose orange and black today. <laughs> you're- I know I can never wear red or blue on this show, and there can never be anything red or blue in the background. I like how Tossies is red and blue. It kind of looks orange on the camera. It does a little bit. Doesn't That's okay. Look- I'll take that. Yeah. That's good. Damn straight. All right. And I guess that's... Find us on your favorite podcast platform. Shoot us an email at libservativepod at gmail.com. Follow, like, and share. And, uh... Tell a friend. Oh, I want to give a shout-out, actually, real quick. If we have a listener in Niobe. Or Nairobi, uh, in South South Africa. (laughs) Whatever. Random. Whoever you are. And wherever you are, whoever you are, keep listening. That's a pretty cool show. Give us your name. Shoot us an email. Find us on Twitter at LibservativePod. Instagram at LibservativePod. Facebook, Libservative. And until next time, he's been Corey Walsh. And Dan Griffin. You've been listening to Libservative, and we are out of here.